0: A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by somebody to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of God for the people of God.
1: So 10 years ago, I took my first trip to the Holy Land. On the very first day of our trip, we went to the little town of Bethlehem. We went to a place called the Church of the Nativity. The Church of the Nativity is one of the, the most ancient and sacred sites in all of the Christian faith. The Church of the Nativity is is built over a cave that is said to be the very spot where Jesus was born and so of course I was excited uh, to go to to Bethlehem to experience this place that I'd only ever sung about in carols to to see this church that was built on the spot where where Jesus was born when I got to Bethlehem though I discovered what what everybody who goes to the Holy Land inevitably discovers which is that the Church of the Nativity is a massive letdown from from the outside this church looks like Like just a big crumbling pile of rubble and rocks, and it looks even worse on the inside. So, when you go into the church, you discover that the sanctuary is is dark and gloomy, and it looks like and feels like the whole church could just fall down at any minute, which is probably because the whole church could just fall down at any minute. (laughs) Just before we went on our trip 10 years ago, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem was placed on a list of the world's 100 most endangered monuments. The the wood ceiling of the church is hundreds of years old and it's been rotting away so that whenever it rains, water comes pouring into the church and the water has been destroying these these mosaics and paintings, some of them close to a, a thousand years old. And the church has survived several earthquakes through the centuries, but there's a real fear that the next time the ground shakes, The whole thing is just going to come tumbling down. And you might wonder, how did it come to this? How how do we arrive at this moment when one of the most ancient and sacred churches in all of the Christian faith, the oldest continuously used church in all of the Christian world, is falling to pieces before our very eyes? To, To answer that question, all you have to do is look at the people who are in charge of taking care of that church. So the the Church of the Nativity is shared by three different groups of Christians, Orthodox Christians, Catholic Christians, and Armenian Christians, for a thousand years have have shared that church together. And for all of that thousand years, these three groups of Christians have been engaged in an ongoing, never-ending turf war to see who can control which parts of the church. A thousand years ago, some invisible lines were drawn up and these traditions were agreed to, and ever since then, these, these groups have been going at it like cats and dogs, fiercely protecting their territory and trying to inch and elbow their way into the other groups' parts of the church. And and this long, centuries-long turf war sometimes erupts into actual violence, especially at this time of year. Right, So this time of year, the, the church goes through a several-day-long massive cleaning project. For for days in December, the church fills with monks and priests and, and worshipers, and people give the church a good scrubbing from top to bottom to, to get ready for the Christmas worship that happens there in Bethlehem. And things are always tense when the church is filled with all of these priests and monks and worshipers. During this, this several-day-long cleaning project, people watch each other like hawks to make sure that nobody crosses any of those invisible lines. Back in 2006, there was an Orthodox priest who was up on a ladder. He was dusting a chandelier. He was up on this ladder hanging 16 feet in the air when an Armenian priest decided that he had put the ladder in the wrong place. This Armenian priest decided that the ladder had crossed one of those invisible lines, and so the Armenian priest went over and yanked the ladder right out from under the Orthodox priest, sending him tumbling 16 feet to the ground. The brawl that ensued Sent dozens of priests to the hospital. The most famous fight happened back in two thousand and eleven. One day the, the church was filled with priests and monks and they all had brooms. They were sweeping the floor of the church together when somebody's broom crossed one of those invisible lines and suddenly the church was transformed into something like a, a scene from a Star Wars movie. Imagine a imagine hundred priests in long black robes swinging broom handles at each other like, like so many Jedi's with their lightsabers. You don't, Actually, you don't need to imagine what this looked like because somebody recorded the whole thing on their phone. You can find the the video on the internet if you watch the video what you will see is that this brawl only ends when riot police come pouring into the church to to break things up and and so this is the reason why the church of the nativity is falling to pieces the the three groups of christians who control the church and care for the church can't stop bickering long enough to come up with a plan to fix the roof and to save to save this building and that's sad it's it's sad that the oldest continuously used church one of the most ancient and sacred buildings and all of the Christian faith is is falling to pieces right in front of our eyes. But what is even sadder is the way that all of this illustrates just how far the followers of Jesus have departed from the ways that he taught us. The, The Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem is a perfect illustration of just how far the followers of Jesus have departed from the ways that he teaches us in this morning scripture reading. So today's scripture reading, Jesus is invited to a party. Jesus goes to the, uh, this party at the house of a, a leader of the Pharisees. Now in the Gospels, we read a lot about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a, a group of super religious people who believed in a strict interpretation of the Old Testament laws. And one of the things that we find in the Gospel stories is that the Pharisees and Jesus usually didn't get along very well. You know, the Pharisees didn't like the way that Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors and weirdos all the time. They, they were constantly coming to Jesus and asking him questions to try to trap him and, and trick him and embarrass him in front of the crowds of people. Most of the time, when we read stories about the Pharisees in the Gospels, they're, they're the opponents of Jesus. They're, they're trying to trap and trick Jesus. And so you might wonder why then does Jesus get invited to the, this party at the house of a leader of the Pharisees? Jesus probably wondered why he got invited to this party. As Jesus was eating hors d'oeuvres and drinking the punch, he looked around the room and he saw all of these, all of these wealthy and powerful. And well connected people. He saw politicians and community leaders and religious leaders, and these were not the kind of people Jesus usually hung out with. These were not the kind of parties that Jesus usually went to. And I imagine that as Jesus looked around that room, he must have wondered what was going on, he must have suspected that, that something was up. And then there came this moment when a servant came into the room, and the servant said, all right, dinner is about to be served. And suddenly there was this mass stampede of people who went rushing for the dinner table, and these wealthy and powerful and well-connected people were pushing and shoving and elbowing each other, trying to get to the best seats at the table. Now, to understand what's happening in this moment, you need to know that dinner tables in those days didn't look like, like the kind of table that you and I eat at. Now, back in the time of Jesus, people didn't eat eat their dinner sitting on chairs. Tables in the time of Jesus were, were very low to the ground. And so when people sat at the dinner table, they didn't sit as much as they sort of reclined on piles of cushions. People would would lie. They would lie on these cushions on their left side, and then they would eat. They would eat with their right hand. And the tables were laid out in sort of a a U-shape. So imagine a table here, and a table here where the choir is, and then another table here. And then this end of the tables is just sort of empty. There's there's nothing there. And while people were eating their supper, there would be some kind of entertainment out in this open end of the U-shape where all of you are sitting, there would be Musicians, there might be a sort of a play or or some sort of dancing might happen. And so you can see that the best seats at the table are these seats over here. You can see that you would want to get a seat over here so that you're lying on your left elbow and you can eat your food and watch the show all at the same time without having to turn your head. The very best seat in the house, the seat that was reserved for the guest of honor, is the seat that's right at the very end of this table because then the guest of honor can eat his supper and enjoy the show without having to peek over anybody's shoulder, right? So you can. See, this is the good end of the table to be at. But the people down here at this end really have a lousy arrangement, right? Because if you're down at this end of the table, now your back is to the entertainment. And if you want to watch the show, you've got to turn your head all the way around and crane your neck so that at the end of the night you go home with stiff shoulders and a sore back and a great big crick in your neck. Nobody wants to get stuck down at that end of the table. And so when somebody announces supper is about to be served, people take off for the dinner table and they push and shove and try to get seats over here where they can see the show and not have to go home with a, with a sore neck. Jesus watches all of these people pushing and shoving and rushing to get to the table. And Jesus, as he's watching all of this happens, he waits, he waits for the host, he waits for this Pharisee to come and say to him what the, supposed, the host is supposed to say to the guest of honor. Jesus waits for this Pharisee to come and say, come Jesus and take your seat at the place of honor. Jesus is the reason this party is happening. The host is supposed to come and escort him to the seat of honor, but the host, the Pharisee, he doesn't do that. Instead, the host goes and takes his own seat and then he turns and looks at Jesus and watches to see what Jesus will do. All of the other guests come and take their places at the table and then every eye in the room turns to look at Jesus to see what Jesus is going to do. And this is the moment when Jesus realizes that this whole party was a setup. This whole party was a trap. Jesus realizes that the host is waiting for Jesus to come and take his place at the seat of honor so that then in front of all of the other guests, the host can say to him, Jesus, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are to place yourself above all of these people with their fancy titles and their fat checkbooks? Don't you know that you're just some jumped up little rabbi from the middle of nowhere? Jesus, go down and sit at the end of the table with the nobodies. Jesus, go and sit where you belong. Jesus realizes that this whole party was set up so the Pharisee tomorrow will be able to say to his Pharisee friends, let me tell you how I put that Jesus guy in his place when he came to my house last night. Jesus realizes that that he has been led into a trap. But Jesus is not about to fall for it, right? So after everybody has taken their places, when they're all sitting at the table, when every eye in the room is looking at Jesus, Jesus begins to speak. He starts to teach. Jesus says, listen, everybody. He says, I've learned something going to all these parties. He said, I've learned that when you get invited to a a wedding banquet, you should never sit in the seat of honor because then you might discover that that the host had reserved that spot for somebody else and then the host will ask you to move and then it will be awkward and you'll be embarrassed in front of everybody and you'll have to take the walk of shame to the other end of the table. Jesus says, no, when you go to a party, always take the very lowest seat at the table. Always take the worst seat that you can get to. That way a gracious host can come and say, Jesus, what are you doing down here? Come and sit towards the top of the table. Come and sit over here by me where you belong. Jesus says, for all All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And then with everybody watching him, Jesus walks and he takes his place at the very worst seat at the table. And then as one, every eye in the room turns to look at the host to see how the host is going to respond to this. Now Jesus has turned the tables on the host. Now the shoe is on the other foot. The ball is in the Pharisee's court. And now everybody is watching the Pharisee wondering, what is he going to do? Is he going to honor Jesus who he meant to embarrass? Or is he going to run the risk of looking like like an ungracious host? Everyone now looks at the pharisee to see what the pharisee is going to do and this is so frustrating the bible doesn't tell us what the pharisee does the bible doesn't tell us where jesus ends up sitting at this dinner party but that's probably okay because that's actually not the point of the story right the point of the story is easy to see the point of the story is very simply this the way of jesus is not the way of this world and We live in a world when people are, are constantly jockeying for position and, and trying to get a leg up on each other. It happens in middle school cafeterias at lunchtime when kids try to get seats at the good tables and the kids who aren't cool enough to sit at the good tables get sent off into the hinterlands and have to eat in the corner or the band room. It happens, it happens in the parking lot at the mall as people honk horns at each other and wave fingers at each other trying to get the good parking spot right up front by the door. It happens in churches. God help us. It happens in churches when people decide that they're going to claim this pew or that pew as their own personal territory and God help the unsuspecting guest who accidentally sits in the wrong pew when they come to visit on Sunday morning. It happens even here at Court Street sometimes. I have seen it happen here at Court Street sometimes. It happened in the time of Jesus and it happens still to this day in spite of the fact that Jesus tells us over and over and over again my way is not the way of sharp elbows and broom handles. Jesus says, my way, my way is sitting at the very lowest seat at the table. My way is the way of standing at the very end of the line. My way, Jesus says, my way is the way of gentleness, of putting aside our pride and our preferences so other people might experience joy and honor. Jesus says, my way is the way of humility for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. God, we pray, we pray that you would give us courage to walk in the difficult way of Jesus. God, we pray that you would make us the kind of people who stand at the end of the line, who sit at the foot of the table, who wait for others to honor us instead of honoring ourselves and trust that if this world does not honor us, then you will honor us in your kingdom. God, we pray that you would show us a different way to walk in this next year, that we might truly become followers of Jesus.